0: All right, good morning. All right, what's up? Antioch Dallas. Good to see you guys this morning, and uh, just glad to be here. It's uh, fun to see so many faces, and, uh, you know, we kind of keep up on social media and stuff like that, but it's good to see people in person and give some hugs. Uh, It's good to be with you this morning. Grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 10 um also we have some sermon notes that's that's how i preach these days if you did not get a copy of sermon notes we'd love to give you a copy someone will be uh handing them out so you can raise your hand and get those i joke with uh with my church you know there's just a couple of different kinds of people that interact with the sermon notes raise your hand uh john's coming around uh there's the people that try to fill them out before the preacher says anything you know to like it's like a competition um there's those that that uh are, are very type A, uptight about it, and when one sermon blank gets missed, they're like, I can, they start having a nervous breakdown, and, and I can, oh, we missed one, okay, put it up there, and then there's the people that are like, "There's sermon notes, okay, so which, whichever kind you are, that's fine, it's for you, it's not for me, um, but I hope that that helps you, and let's get ready to encounter Jesus this morning. Um, For those of you that I have not had the privilege to meet yet, uh, again, my name is Jeremy West, and uh, uh, I serve as the lead pastor at Antioch Lake City's Church over in the Northeast Garland, Rowlett, uh, Sachse, Rockwall area. And prior to being sent out, as Donnie said, about 10 months ago, uh, to plant Antioch Lake Cities, uh, I was here at Antioch Dallas and served in various capacities here at the church. Uh, I think I have a picture of my family. Yeah. Is it? Picture? Yeah, OK, there we go. Uh, that's actually our most recent photo taken maybe a week and a half ago, okay? So there, my wife, Car Lee, who's amazing, 14 years. Uh, we'll be married next week, and then I have Jira, our oldest. He's here in the front row. Uh, he's going into middle school this fall. He's excited about that. He's getting big. Elam, uh, who's also here with me on the front row, he's our—he's uh, a baseball player and a, a good-looking dude. Uh, who else we got? We got so many kids. I forget all their names. Brielle. She's our chicken farmer. That's what she does. She, she has chickens and she takes care of them. Uh, and she's gotten into baking too, right? She made some good stuff this week, boys. Right in the right? Yeah. I was uh, proud of her. Simeon is four. He's a walking party. And then our newest is Naomi who was born in December. So seven months old. Um, so anyways, that's our crew and, uh, yeah, if ever you're over in that area, in the Lake Cities area, we'd love to host you for a visit um, at our church plant. And would just love to, yeah, get to know you more. Um, I know many of you, uh, and I just look through the audience, have been supporting us financially, through prayer, in other ways. And I would just want to say thank you. Um, for doing that. Thank you for this church and just for the support. God is doing some amazing things and uh, you guys get to be a part of it, but we couldn't do it without your support and your encouragement. So thank you. Um, Church planning is not easy. Um, It is a a challenge. It is an uphill fight, but it's a good fight of faith. Um, But we couldn't do it without your support. So thank you uh, just for the ways you've come around us. And God's opened some Some amazing doors for ministry. And I just wanted to share a quick testimony just to encourage you. Uh, This just happened a couple months ago. We had uh, a weekend where we were going out to just, we call it fishing trips. That may sound a little awkward. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men, so we just go. And when you fish, you know, for men, all you do is you just hang out. I go fishing sometimes. You really go for the friends, and you're just kind of hanging out, and then just see what happens. So that's what we were doing uh, with some friends of ours, and we went to a park in Rowlett, and we just prayed, Lord, we're here. We're going to play. We're going to have fun. We're going to chill at the park with our family, and would you lead us to open people, to people that are open and ready to hear the good news of Jesus. So Simeon, uh, my four-year-old, is there, and I'm with him, and he just takes off running. And so I just kind of follow him, make sure he doesn't get lost. And uh, the first kid that he runs into, uh, there's another dad there with a a boy that was Simeon's age. And the dad spoke to his son and said, hey, look, there's a buddy for you. Y'all play. And so they ran off and started playing. And I turned to this man, his name is Esteban, and I said, What's up? <laughs> and we started talking and, uh, you know, just sharing about life. And what are you doing here? Do you come to this park often? And we just started talking. And, and I said, well, Esteban, tell me about your spiritual life. And he just, his eyes got real big, and he started talking, and he just shared his whole story with me. And he said these words. I am so hungry for spiritual things. I'm so open. Would you tell me about it? I was like. Wow, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is one of the guys that God's leading us to at this park. You know, so we talk, and and it was really cool. Some of the others, uh, other men that were there, kind of gathered around from from our church. Gathered around. One of those guys had a testimony that's very similar to Esteban's, with a, a history of of just being freed from alcoholism and stuff like that. And so we got to encourage him. We got to pray for him. Started meeting with him for discipleship. He surrendered his life to Jesus. And God is doing amazing things. in him and his family and his son and his wife, um, he's open to spiritual things. Okay? He's open to Jesus. And just be encouraged. There's people all over our city, all over DFW, all over Dallas, Richardson, wherever you live, probably within a mile radius, there's numerous open people that are hungry, that are crying out, that are desperate for what you have and for who you know, and that's Jesus, and we need him, and uh, people are desperate for encounter with Jesus. I'm desperate for encounter with Jesus this morning. I hope that you are. I heard that that's the whole theme of this church for this year is encountering Jesus, so let's just encounter him uh, this morning. I want to know him more today than I did yesterday. All right, you ready? Okay, let's do it. All right, well, as I mentioned earlier, my oldest son, Jire, is going into middle school uh, or junior high this fall, which makes me feel very old um, first. But we've had a lot of discussions this summer. We are talking about it earlier this morning, a lot of discussions, kind of helping him get ready for this new challenge, a new school, you know, getting ready emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually for middle school. It's a big transition coming in his life this fall, and I have a ton of empathy for him because I've been in middle school before, and I remember what going to middle school was like. I remember the vulnerability. I'm not trying to trigger anybody this morning, okay, with talking about middle school, but man, it it definitely does that for me because I remember the, the vulnerability and the insecurity that I felt going into middle school and like my clothes and just trying to fit in and I dyed my hair and I I mean it was just you know it was just everything was just like ah oh, I wanna be in, I wanna fit in, I wanna, you know, be cool or whatever. I remember the fear of being isolated or of being alone or of being uh, taken advantage of by eighth graders. Or by other people, um, you know. I, I remember hearing that there were fights in middle school all the time, which wasn't the experience in elementary school. So I was like legit scared to like, man, I don't want to get in a fight. Like, you know, like, ugh. Well, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe maybe you didn't feel that they did. general skepticism because that was cool, you know. That that you just kind of you you have a distrust and a skepticism towards teachers and authority because that's cool and that, you know, helps you fit in. Plus, just learning self-discipline and all of the temptations and all of the things kind of going on mixed with the, the curiosity, man, sh- sure made me prone to wonder into destructive temptations. Uh, I think that song, Welcome to the Jungle, that was written for middle school. It was, I think. Um, but what I've come to learn as I've grown into adulthood this is what I shared, you know, with Jaira as we talked about this, is that the struggles of middle school, they're actually not just unique to that season of life. To middle school, in fact, some of the fears and the tensions and the insecurities and all of that intensifies in life or has intensified in my life as the stakes get higher and more costly or intense or complex. I mean, I thought trying to figure out my locker combination in, in the midst of, you know, a couple hundred 12 and 13-year-olds was vulnerable. And then I went to plant a church, and I was like, this is more vulnerable. This feels more vulnerable. I, I don't know that I can do this. Feeling of, of being rejected or being... Isolated, that's difficult, but the tension that I've felt about other decisions that I've had to make in life, maybe a parenting decision that I know is unpopular with people around me or that they're going to disagree with or, or their culture reject, reject situations at work, I mean, avoiding fistfights, okay, in the hallway aren't part of my daily routine anymore, thank God. I have a friend who's a principal, that is a part of his daily routine, um, but the emotional and the mental and the spiritual battles that I face on a daily basis seem to be even far more challenging. My propensity to wonder, to be distracted because of lacking self-discipline. It's as real now as it was even back then. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's battled this kind of tension in life. It's not unique to middle school. It's not one phase of life, one phase of life, one race, one ethnicity. It's not just an American problem. Uh, it's not just a Christian problem or a non-Christian problem. In fact, I believe to be human, to be human, is to face vulnerability is to face insecurity, is to face skepticism, is to face doubt, is to face fear, is to face the propensity to wander into danger. And as we get older, we might get more sophisticated in the ways that we medicate or soothe or mask That vulnerability, that fear, that insecurity, but it still lingers there under the surface. And and in fact, some people deal with their insecurity or their vulnerability by seeking to rule, manipulate, control, dominate, all sorts of stuff to to rule or dominate or be in control of the people around them, the the situations around them. And this creates just quite a, a mess. And so the question this morning that kind of comes for me out of this realization is, what does my vulnerable, insecure, skeptical, fearful, wandering soul need? What does my vulnerable, insecure, skeptical, fearful, and wandering soul need? Now, I know we're in church this morning. We have a, you know, everyone already knows the answer. It's on the title of your sermon notes and all this stuff. Well let's be real. Let's not not fake. Because when we get down to it, is there a temptation to say, you know what? Actually, if I had some more money, that would get it done. Or a new job. Or more religion, or a different therapist, or better behaved kids or stronger drinks, or better theft prevention equipment on my devices, or at my home, or a bigger retirement fund, or more education, or more control, or more power, or more people listening to me, or more friends. What does my soul need? What do I need? What do you need? And what I believe that we'll discover this morning is that what we need is exactly who Jesus is. Specifically, who he demonstrated he is in John chapter 10 when talking to people like you and me. And so we're going to read together with eyes and ears of our hearts open to receive from Jesus this morning. John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus says, truly, truly. Every time he says truly, truly, or in the old King James, verily, verily, he means pay attention. I'm repeating myself. Pay attention. Listen to what I'm about to say. This is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And what Jesus describes here in in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, uh, in this figure of speech, it's actually a situation that they would all be familiar with. And and what we're going to see is what they didn't understand was not you know, this scene that you're painting for us, Jesus, we can't picture it in our mind. No, they understood this was a common situation that all of his hearers would have been familiar with in first century Israel. Actually, most towns throughout Israel would have a community uh, sheepfold. That was a common thing. Unless you owned property out in the country and you lived out by yourself, then you'd have your own thing. But in the cities, they would have a community sheepfold. Think of like a storage unit, okay, a community sheepfold where where people, where where the shepherds would keep their sheep, and there would be a security guard or a watchman or a doorkeeper that was there at this community sheepfold, And, and what would happen would be the shepherds would take their sheep out during the day to find pasture in the countryside, and then in the evening they would bring them into the sheepfold and those sheep would be mixed you know with your buddy's sheep and 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 that guy's sheep and the other shepherd down the street his sheep and they would all be in the sheep pen and the and the watchman or the security guard would watch over them and then early in the morning the shepherd would come and would call out his sheep from the sheepfold and would take them out to find pasture you know in the countryside and that was the rhythm that would take place here with the shepherd. Uh, So uh, an important thing here is that the sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice, because as Jesus says, robbers and thieves and even other shepherds would come and would try to get the attention of the sheep, but they would recognize their shepherd's voice, and they would only respond to the shepherd. Now, I don't have sheep I don't farm sheep. So I, I, I needed help getting a visual picture of this, and you might need to as well. So I have a, a quick video, and in this video, it's super cool. Uh, this guy who's a shepherd takes these people out to uh, where his sheep are, and he uh, challenges them to call the sheep. And he says, my sheep, they won't listen to you. So you're going to see one by one, they're going to go, and they're going to call out to these sheep. The sheep aren't going to move, and then the shepherd starts calling them, and they come running, Okay. Can we play the, roll the video? You already watched it? Spoiler alert. Let's play it again. If we could play it with audio, that would be great. All right. Isn't that amazing? I've watched that video like a hundred times. I'm like, how, how does this work? This is amazing. They hear the shepherd's voice, and they come running. Now, if you're wondering this morning, what does this have to do with you, uh, so did the people that Jesus was talking to because they didn't understand. Like, what's this figure of speech? They, didn't, uh, they understood the image, but they didn't understand what Jesus was saying to them through it. So Jesus continues to unpack the truths he's wanting them to understand. We're going to keep reading in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus says very clearly, let's just break it down. I'm the door. I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the way into safety and protection. I'm the way out into pasture, into provision. I am the door of the sheep. All who pass through me are my sheep. Those who have decided to enter through Jesus and to follow Jesus. That's the sheep. Those who have decided to follow Jesus, to enter through Jesus. And the promise is is very clear here from Jesus. Jesus is the means through which we enter into abundant life. Period. Period. Jesus is the means through which we enter into abundant life that includes safety, protection, healing, provision, identity for our souls. Now, I don't know about you, but being identified with sheep really seems to capture the human experience for me of vulnerability and insecurity and, and skepticism and fear of rejection, isolation, the propensity to wander into danger. And in pride, you can, choose, you can choose to be insulted uh, by that or or reject that. Maybe you'd rather be the robber or the thief in the story. I don't know. But the vulnerability of sheep, I believe, is it's a fitting description for me. It's a fitting description for me, and that, that's why Jesus uses this. Image and not only Jesus, actually, throughout the scriptures, this image is used. Matthew 9, verse 36 Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 1 Peter 2, 25, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Old Testament. Isaiah 53, verse 6 All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, this vulnerability that we feel, that I feel, it comes in part because of our propensity to wander and choices that we make, poor choices that we, we make. But it also exists because of something else that Jesus makes very clear in this passage that, that let's be honest, we don't like to think about. We'd rather actually just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And that is that we have a real spiritual enemy. A real spiritual enemy with real spiritual schemes seeking to steal... Seeking to kill, seeking to destroy. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't care how old you are, how young your children are, where you came from, what your background is. He doesn't care if you're already wounded. He doesn't care if you're ignorant and you don't see him coming. He does not care. He will use any means and every means necessary to deceive, to rob life from you, from your family, from your children, from this church, from the city. He hates God. He hates you. He hates people made in the image of God. And maybe we have oftentimes a, a, a difficult time admitting that as tough and educated, and wealthy, and religious, and whatever we think we are, that we are actually incredibly vulnerable. In contrast to a thief or robber, Jesus didn't come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's not about that. Jesus has come not to steal, kill and destroy the vulnerable weak struggling but to give them abundant life. And uh, the Hawaiian translation of the Bible is one of my favorite translations. I just go there sometimes just to get just to break it down very real for me. And what it, how it translates John 10:10 it says the Steve come fo steal fo kill And for bust the place up. But I came that they may have the life inside them. The life to the max. Life to the max. That is God's desire for you. That is why Jesus came. is so that you and I could have life to the max. But not only is Jesus the door through which we enter into the abundant life, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd who calls, who saves, who leads us into that abundant life. And look at what Jesus says next. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. All right. Jesus we're listening. Got my attention? What does that mean exactly? What does a good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. And he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees. Because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You feel vulnerable, you feel weak, you feel exposed, you feel under attack. Wolves, thieves coming from every direction. The good shepherd, Jesus, has never bailed on his sheep. Not one time, not then. Not now, not in the future, not ever. Now, the people standing there, and maybe this is how you feel when you hear things like that. Jesus saying this, this is a big statement the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What are you talking about? Okay, Jesus, like, don't be dramatic. We get it that, you know, maybe you care for the sheep, but don't be dramatic. You might be saying that just to get us to be on your side, just to get our votes, just to get us to, you know, kind of follow you. We'll see what happens. You're going to be like all the other ones that bail. You have a bail point. Everybody has a bail point. Gets too difficult, I'm out, man. Everybody has a a bail point. You're, You're no different. And Jesus, I don't know. This is maybe how I imagine it. This this might be crude. God forgive me. Jesus turns to Peter and he's like, hold my wine. Watch me. And now, the thing is, is for us, we're reading this story on the other side of the cross. On the other side of the cross, and here's What we need to know is what Jesus foretold in this parable, he saw through to the bitter end, to his humiliating, painful death on the cross. He, in fact, didn't run. He laid down his life as the ultimate sacrifice to save Protect, heal, deliver the sheep that's you and me. Why would he do that? And he says, because he deeply cares for you. You might not be convinced yet But I hope by the end of this message you will be. Not only does he care for you, he knows you. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You are known this morning. One of the deepest longings of the human heart is to be fully known and still fully loved. The deepest longing of the human heart to be fully known They know me, the good, the bad, the ugly, and they still love me fully and completely. Not this kind of like, they kind of know me, but if they knew that, then they wouldn't love me. Jesus knows that. He always has. And he loves you fully. Now, nobody... Maybe you do. But nobody really believes this kind of relationship actually exists. That's why we hide ourselves. That's why we present the admirable parts of our lives to others. And we hide the, you know, the other stuff. Because there's a concern there. When someone knows that, then, okay, now I get it. You, know, you didn't love me. You said you love me unconditionally, but you don't. Because you know that now. With Jesus, the good shepherd, this relationship exists, and he invites you into it. He knows you, and he wants you to know him. The good shepherd knows you intimately. The good, the bad, the sin, the struggle, the vulnerability, and he loves you deeply. The laying down his life for you kind of love that kind. And he wants you to know him intimately too, to know his voice, to know his heart, to know his ways, to know what he's doing, to know where he's leading and what he is up to. And You and I were invited into that relationship. And I think it's just crazy whenever Jesus says things like, I know my own and my own know me, just like the Father knows me and I know the Father. I love you just as God loves me. When I was a kid, you used to do things like, you know, I dare you. I I double dog dare you. You know, in the Christmas story, made this famous. I triple dog dare you. You know, it's like. I'm maxing it out now, right, to the nth. This is what Jesus is doing. When he says, I know you, he's maxing it out as the Father knows me. How does the Father know Jesus? To the max. There's no, like, there's no next level. It's infinite. And what's amazing is that you and I, we're invited into that. We're invited into that love, into that knowledge. Come and be a part of this. One, as I and the Father are one. Verse 16, Jesus says, And I have sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The good shepherd... Man, not not only does he lay down his life for the sheep, not only does he know us, he's an includer. No kidding. Top five in his strength finders. He's an includer. Jesus isn't just the shepherd of Jewish sheep. That's what he's saying in context here. And these people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We get, like, you love us, you lay down your life. This was the most controversial statement that he made. Hey, this isn't just for us. Peter, John, James, like, I'm not just your shepherd. Their shepherd and their shepherd in the coastlands and people that have not known and the people dwelling in darkness over there, you know, across the Sea of Galilee. I'm the good shepherd, and I have sheep that are in other sheepfolds, in other sheep pens, and I'm going to call them, and they're going to listen, and they're going to come running. There's one flock, one shepherd. Jesus isn't just the shepherd of the Jewish sheep. He's the shepherd of sheep from every tribe, every nation, every language and culture. An application there. Because what these people would have heard is like, no, those people don't fit. They're not the right race. They're not the right ethnicity. They don't have the right, you know, credentials or background. And Jesus is saying, (laughs) nope, we're breaking all that down. And maybe this morning you thought, I don't fit in. Jesus says, you do. Jesus says, welcome home. Jesus says, welcome to my sheepfold. Welcome to my flock. Welcome. He invites you in. And in case this hasn't sunk in yet, maybe there's lingering doubt or fear He reiterates again, he's willing to lay down his life because he cares for you. In verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own Accord, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Sometimes you can feel like I've been walk, I've been walking with Jesus for many many years, and there are times that this thought comes up in me that. Man, God, like you loving me or, or me asking something of you or me calling out to you. Just I feel like I'm like I'm inconveniencing you. Like I'm, I'm just walking on eggshells and Jesus says, hey. I'm doing all this willingly. I love you, but it's actually not about you. And that's incredibly freeing. My love does not originate in you. It's not a response because you're lovable. I lay down my life of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. Jesus is the door to abundant life. He's the good shepherd that leads us into that life, that lays down his life for the sheep. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. He goes before you, leading you and me into abundant life. He doesn't bail when trouble comes, but stands by you because he cares for you. All that your soul needs, all that my soul needs, is exactly who Jesus is, as the good shepherd. So, what do we do? And how ought we to respond to Jesus and to to what he's teaching us this morning? What is the good shepherd looking for from his sheep? I'll tell you what he's not looking for, is that he doesn't expect his sheep to fight wolves. <laughs> he doesn't expect his sheep to defend themselves. I was talking with my sons this morning about this, you know, about sheep. Like, they have no defense mechanism except herding. They can just all, like, crowd together. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have big horns, you know, that they can spear a wolf. They are absolutely vulnerable. He doesn't expect them to protect themselves or to figure out where the best pasture is located. There's one thing that is required of sheep. And Jesus is actually very confident that you will do this. He's actually very confident in your ability and willingness to do this one thing that sheep do so well. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one. Turn to your neighbor and say, no one. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Sheep, listen to the voice of the shepherd and follow his lead. That's it. In your vulnerability, in your insecurity, in your weakness, in your fear, in your struggle, Jesus, the good shepherd, Wolves on every side, robbers trying to break in, chaos in the world. Jesus, the good shepherd, says, listen to my voice. Ignore the noise, the howling of the wolves, the attack of the robber, the enticements of thieves. Listen to me. I know you. I know your name. So it wouldn't be right to leave this place without asking the question. What is the Good Shepherd speaking to you? Let's let's bow our heads and let's just ponder this for a moment this morning. Good shepherd. What are you speaking to us? What are you speaking to me? And I believe for some this morning, he's simply calling your name, John, Erica, Sam. He wants you to know that he sees, that he knows, that he understands, that he's present with you. For others, he might be calling you to put put your faith in Jesus, to put your faith in him for the first time. You in another sheepfold, getting robbed, getting stolen from, getting destroyed. And he's saying, come, follow me, trust me. For others, he's leading you through the dark valley. Can't see what's ahead, but you can follow his voice. You can follow his lead. I love this line that I heard in a song recently. His feet have tested the ground before you. You don't need to see. You can go through the valley of darkness. His feet have tested the ground before you. All that your soul needs is exactly who Jesus is, as the good shepherd. And as we... Come to the close of our time this morning. We're going to respond with a song of worship. Um, I believe we'll have some prayer team up here, prayer and prophetic team or leaders. And we just want to invite you to respond um, this morning in song. You can sit there in the quiet, come receive prayer for someone. Sometimes listening to the shepherd's voice, it's we always do that in community. You know, it's not an isolated thing. And so these guys want to, pray with you, listen on your behalf, encourage you. Um, So let's stand and I'm going to pray as we um, just go into responding to Jesus, to his word and to his spirit this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you that you love us and we thank you that you're the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We thank you that you have not bailed. That you did not eject. That you did not run. That you stand with us. You lay down your life for the sheep. I just pray this morning for grace to hear your voice. There's probably a thousand situations going on in this room trying to figure out where to move or what, what job to take or what to, to do with kids in this season of life or need a breakthrough in marriage or need a breakthrough in another relationship. Need wisdom for leading. Release, God, grace this morning to hear your voice. And to respond, to recognize your voice today. And to trust you enough to follow wherever you lead. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.